You're listening to the Northeast Newscast, episode number 87. On this week's episode, we're speaking with Ezzy Redwood, a community builder and entrepreneur on the topic of small businesses in Kansas City. Redwood discusses the challenges facing small businesses today, resources that are available, and what can be done to propel the success of entrepreneurs in Kansas City. Yeah, first, I'd like to say thanks for having me. It's it's great to be Taping this on the northeast side. Absolutely. Of course. Glad to have you. Thanks. Thanks. I run 2030 CEO. I go for really for entrepreneurs, innovators, and community builders in and around Kansas City. Uh, And we do programming for them to help them be great. I also started something called the Midwest Innovation Council to help you know people talk, and that was actually where the the current political advocacy work that we're doing uh, kind of evolved from. Because what I realized is that the small business community had not been at the table, and they had not really made their voice known to the politicos in town. But in order to do that, they had to be united, right? Because it had to be a voice. I, I started thinking, well, how can we get everyone on the same page? And as I was thinking about that, one of the things I came across was the city's investment in small businesses, which is eight one hundredth of one percent of the budget. It was such that I lost track a couple times of the decimals, and so like you know, I wasn't a math major; I was humanities. <laughs> I didn't have to deal with that many numbers. Yeah, and so I was like, man, point. Zero, zero, zero. Yeah, and then I thought that was just kind of ridiculous considering how uh, much you know small businesses contribute to the city, both on a neighborhood-to-neighborhood basis, but then also on a basis of um, even if you look at jobs, you know, even if you look at, at jobs for communities, right? Because there are a lot of big corporations, which I, I think it's good to have those big corporations, right? You know, big corporations help out quite a bit, but they're also not hiring people that really need some jobs in Kansas City. They're coming from neighborhoods where they have been disadvantaged, mm-hmm. right? So there's, you know, some of the buildings downtown, you can't, even if you're qualified, you can't work there if you don't have a good enough credit score, which is 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 kind of ridiculous in this day and age, right? Especially considering, you know, we're a generation that went through the recession. And so we started out with no jobs. And we started out with all the student loans. And we started out having to pay all of these bills while, you know, people were downsizing and cutting people. And our you know, parents and grandparents couldn't help because they were, un, you know, unsure of their futures, right? And so, you know, that seemed like an antiquated practice. But, you know, uh, what does that look like for someone who's coming up, let's say here on the northeast side or on the east side or uh, south of these cities who, you know, may be bright enough, but maybe they don't have 800 credit score, right? you know, or maybe they're, you know, maybe they, uh, you know, couldn't afford uh, an attorney, and their public defender was overworked. Uh, and so you have these people as a result who maybe they have offenses on them like a marijuana charge or you know, something that could be relatively minor that now precludes them from getting some of these jobs in the fancy buildings in around town because they have to check yes on that box. And as soon as you do that, that software is likely going to filter you out. That's kind of what I look at in terms of the role of small businesses in town. And, uh, and, and I kind of evolved into that through the course of looking at the Midwest Innovation Council. So outside of that, a group called uh, Rise Fast, which we kind of solve hard problems. So we're working on a few really big problems now for the city. 
And uh, but we did the Rise Fast uh, Summit a couple of years ago where we brought in some amazing people ranging from global executive VP of Walmart to, you know, World Bank leadership to, you know, just, just great people who had done great things really early on. And that was really beneficial for young professionals because there hadn't really been an investment in their skills development at scale like that before. And then, you know, that led into some other opportunities, office consulting and, and some other things. You know, I'd say the one of the other things probably provides our family uh, the most stress, but it's also kind of the most satisfying is, you know, we have a couple you know, gourmet wings, dive shops called Wings Cafe. So you just mentioned how you look at what small businesses bring to communities. So let's unpack that a little bit. What is your perspective on what that really brings to a community? One, I think that unless you're running a small business or you've worked in a small business, you can kind of appreciate it you don't really understand how hard it is to have a small business. So I want to put that out first and foremost. And there's different types. So if you have a small restaurant or a small construction company or something like that, life's going to be a lot harder than if you have a small law firm. Your product's not something that you have complete control over, right? Your product is something that you're relying on people that you're trying to build up to work with. So if you have a restaurant, like every plate's an interview and every plate can be different, right? It can be hot. It can be cold. It can, mm-hmm. you know, not taste the same as, you know, the last time they got it, right? You know, you have to deal with the people aspect. So are the people making the food? Are they happy? Are they sad? Are they mad? Are they getting along? The significance is twofold. One, it helps. It provides jobs to people who you know, really need a little bit more personal touch to develop. Mm-hmm. It provides a, a job to people who maybe have something going against them that, you know, they can't get the fancy job, right? But then even if you look at it, like we have net zero new jobs. So even if we, we do have corporations who are hiring, we also at any given point have corporations who are letting people go. And so is that really what we want to build our economic development model around? Uh, mm-hmm. That, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And so then those problems end up spilling over, those problems of people who want to work but can't find a good job that pays enough to, to you know, feed their families on a consistent basis or whatever, then they turn to other means. Or if you have these youth who are angry because they feel like they're not getting the same education as they're the people who are their age in the suburbs, and now they're feeling like the rules are slammed against them, and so as a justification in their minds of their actions – now you have issues that you then have to, you know, that the police officers have to deal with. I see small businesses as being those people who really take care of the communities, who employ the communities, who understand. Like we've we've picked people up from their house, taken them to the daycare to drop off their kids when their car broke down. Right, because they don't have new cars; they have used cars. For example, you have you know situations where their cars break down and like the schools canceled. Now their kid has to get to grandma, or they have to figure out what to do. They have to bring the kid to work, right? Which is less than ideal, but it's things that we've kind of worked with because we care about the people and we're willing to go above and beyond it. I think that's the role that small business plays. And then you get to the other side of it, from the economic development side. People will come to an area they normally wouldn't come to because of you know neighborhood anchors. Mm-hmm. So if there's a great boutique there, if there's a great restaurant there, 
uh, you know, those are kind of culture creators. Those are the things that are draws, that draw people in. So there's a lot of friends uh, that I know that will go Southwest Boulevard for tacos or downtown KCK for, you know, tacos. Or they'll come to blah, blah, blah area for, you know, for African cuisine, right? You know, for fannies or something. If you look at it, would they be making that drive out there if not going to Gates or Elsie's or, you know, places like that? No. A lot of times the answer is no. Like, shoot, there's a lot of people who don't leave their neighborhoods in town. Mm -hmm. If you're in Overland Park, you stay in Overland Park because it's hard to get other places. If you're in Midtown, (laughs) it's easy to get caught up in Midtown and, and like, going places that are eight minutes away or less. That would kind of be my, my thing. So we, in my mind, the small businesses are the people who... They take care of the neighborhoods, they employ the neighborhoods, they create opportunities, they mentor people, even people who don't work for them, they mentor, they serve as examples for people that, yo, I knew such and such, I, like growing up, now he has this business, now that business is expanding, I, ha- I don't have excuses. Because he faced the same things I faced. And then they they act as anchors and they bring new people to those neighborhoods. And then while they're there, they might look across the street and be like, oh, wow, there's a record store. You know, I'm going to go check out some records. Or, you know, there's here's some more shops. I'm going to go there as well. But do they do that without those small businesses being there? You know, I, I at this point, am emboldened enough to say, you know, no, I don't think they would. So what does small business or entrepreneurship look like in Kansas City right now? I think that we have a long way to go to catch up to people. I think that investing in small businesses is the next wave, right? So investing in corporations was a wave, right? And that was the main way for economic development. But I think that now... I personally don't believe that we get the biggest bang for our buck by pursuing the the big name free agent. It's more impactful for us to cultivate our homegrown talent and help them to become stars versus spending as much money as it would take to cultivate a whole wave of of, you know, future stars versus bringing in one star who may or may not feel a true allegiance to the team or the city or whatever you know you'd want to say and i but i think that because the prior wave was corporate you know and and since we've evolved i don't necessarily know that everyone has evolved with the with those times and with the ideology but now i mean you get much more bang for your buck you know nationally 60% of new jobs coming from small businesses nationally, right? Um, It's higher or lower depending on the city. A lot of times it's higher. Uh, In Kansas City, it's higher. I do think that we are behind a lot of other cities, you know, with uh, a similar size and similar population who have embraced it and are already, you know, starting to see some returns on their investments. And I think that they're, you know, going to be in a, a great position in the future. And I just hope that, you know, we come around fast enough to to not be left behind. The thing I like about Kansas City is that if you're so inclined and so motivated and willing to make a bit of personal sacrifice, you can see a vision through to completion uh, here and really test that vision. Uh, so it's, it's it really is like a a city where you get a little bit of everything. 
more pessimistic way of saying that is we have everybody's problems, right? We have rural <laughs> yeah. problems. We have urban problems. <laughs> we have problems that come with having one of the you know, highest, uh, most affluent zip codes in the country. We have problems that come with having you know, people so spread out that it's like how do we provide city services when we have 300 miles that we have to cover because you know, same geography is as in New York city right and you know you get a lot of those uh, a lot of those problems here my personal view is kind of like you know with with the big mac being debuted here right and i think that's why a lot of you know big campaigns like Gatorade and Wendy's and Sonic and whatever touch you know marketing campaigns touch Kansas City, you get a little bit of the entire country here. You drive north and you'll see tractors and F one fifties and Chevys, and you drive south and you might see a Lamborghini or Ferrari, and you go east and you'll see you know a tricked out Malibu, <laughs> you know, right, or or some classics, right, northeast, right. So with that, I think that if yeah, I'm of the belief that if you can design solutions to these, you know, national problems here, and they work here, that they will work in a lot of other places. That's why you know I'm I'm optimistic. I do think though it's going to require a little bit of a shift in mindset. I think we're headed that direction, but I think we've got to we've got to keep going because we're going to blink and we're going to have all these other cities who are similar in size pass us by if we're not careful. So I, I really feel like we're at a crossroads where what we do these next two years will determine if we end up being the leader of that new wave of mid-sized cities or if we fall to the back of the pack. And um, what are some of the challenges that you would say small businesses in Kansas City face regarding funding? Oh, man. What, what challenges do they not face? <laughs> that might be an easier question. I, I'd say funding. Uh, at all levels is funding. Yeah. Uh, Kauffman Foundation had a study that came out that said 86% of the small businesses that needed funding to grow, needed access to capital to grow, were not getting it. Right? So that means that they either die or give up or go. And neither one of those really helps our economy. One of the things that I've thought about quite a bit is what happens if we're able to keep even 10% of the companies that go out of business every year, keep them in business and help them grow, right? You know, the impact that would have our economy would be massive, you know, especially year over year. And you get, you find yourself getting a huge amount of return on investment for anything that you put into small businesses, startups, things like that. And we have all these other cities that are doing it. Buffalo, New York, they're thinking visionary right now. They're, they have a public-private fund called Ignite Buffalo where their state and their city and, and uh, their private sectors really come together and make it, make it a, a very interesting place for businesses to grow. I think that you start to, you're starting to really see a lot of that, and it's going to be one of those cases where you know, people are, are, are within next year going to look at Kansas City and be like, wow, so like, how do you get money to grow, right? <laughs> you know, if you're a company who, who's grown some, how do you get money locally to stay there versus go to the coast or go to mm -hmm. Austin or somewhere like that? If you're a small business and you start out confident, you're like, ah, I'm great, I know everything, right? And then your confidence drops as you realize you don't know anything, right? And then at some point, your confidence matches your actual knowledge. And at that point, you that's when you really need money because you've got to, you've got to pivot, 
right? And a lot of the most successful companies, both in tech or in in the other you know sector, they had those critical moments where you know the game slowed down and they figured it out, and they're like, oh shoot, how do we? now access the capital that we need to get to where we now know we need to be. So if you haven't, let's say, been in business for two years already, and if you don't have a phenomenal credit score, and so you you get people who run into a lot of those challenges. And so it's how can we find alternative funding mechanisms, whether it's collateral replacement funds or whether it's creative ways that we can find to offer financing to people who have a strong track record and who have you know now the knowledge but maybe don't have the perfect on paper kind of credentials to grow and that's where a lot of businesses find themselves you know once they do kind of figure it out and then it's like well what do you do now and you either leave or you you know go somewhere where it's more fertile or you you know do whatever but so I talked to Nia Richardson at KC Biscare. What are some of the resources that are available to small businesses? Mm. Yeah, you know, so we have KC Bizcare. Plug for them, they need a little bit more funding. You know, just going to throw that out there, mm-hmm. right? They, yeah. they don't have enough money. We, we're not allocating enough funding for them. But, I mean, at the end of the day, why does our group, why is the aspect of our city government that's responsible for engaging small businesses and helping them to interact with the city, helping them through the zoning, like which the process is hard for zoning, for understanding, planning, all of that stuff. It's like a maze that changes and all the time. And so why is the department that's you know supposed to be helping them through that process, why do they not have all the funding they need? Yeah. Right. Especially considering that's such a great driver for neighborhoods. That's a solution for crime, for people who maybe have something on their record uh, but want to work and want to earn money. They don't want. There's a lot of people who we've even employed um, who they know people who who don't want to live a life of crime. But it's like, who's going to hire me? Who's going to hire me? I have a felony on my record. It was not even. It was a nonviolent felony, right? I have on my record, and now I can't get a job. I had. Too much marijuana in my car, right? Yeah. I don't know if I can say marijuana here, but I said twice. So I don't, <laughs> maybe ahead, that's a bleep. <laughs> you might just hear a bleep right there. <laughs> but things like that. And so these things happen when you're in these neighborhoods. And now you feel like you're, you feel angry and you feel like the system is made for you to fail. And then you're at, and that guides your actions. Yeah. Right. Versus like feeling like, you know, it's your fault if you don't see, if you don't succeed. And that's, a, I think, a very different mindset, uh, but one that we have to be very intentional if we want to instill. Uh, I think in terms of resources, you have KC BizCare, you have KC SourceLink. Early stage, you have Weibo, which is with AltCap. You have BetaBlocks, and that's it, really. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you have ECJC, Enterprise Center of Johnson County, in, in Johnson County, and maybe a few other programs. But... With that being said, how many tens of thousands of small businesses and, and you know, startups are there in Kansas City? Mm-hmm. And I just named, what, maybe you know, two hands worth of resources. Like, we really need to put a focus on this if we want to help a significant portion grow. Uh, one of the glaring gapes that I think we have is 
we don't have nearly enough accelerators, business accelerators, either for tech or for small businesses. And I think that's something that we have an opportunity to really pioneer is really focusing on bringing in mentors and resources and, and bringing in like very high quality knowledge that normally would be directed to high growth tech startups or to you know people like that and direct them towards your small businesses, your you know, your restaurants, your contractors, your um, which I mean I, I think there's there's some people who are doing you know uh, that a great job with that for contractors but you know for everyone you know i think that there is a lot of opportunity for them to grow and for us you know jabbar wesley and josh and i we have something called novel uh, city ventures which is a small business growth accelerator and we've seen you know the mindset of the fellows you know mm-hmm. in that program ranging from distilleries to event spaces to you know direct primary care you know we've seen them really evolve and they're now people who not that they weren't before but they're you know they're like we selected them because they had potential to be great and i think that a year from now people will they'll be citywide names because you know they have a great product they can scale it's just they need you know that little extra bit and so I think that I think that from resources, like we don't really have an abundance of you know resources that can take you once you're making money. Let's say you're making thirty thousand or forty thousand or fifty thousand, that can take you up to where you're making you know three hundred thousand or four hundred thousand or five hundred thousand, mm-hmm. right? And then once you get to a million, you got you got a healthy amount of resources, uh, and you need different things. But that's that's where I think a, a big gap is. Apart from funding, what would you say are some of the other challenges that small businesses face in Kansas City? Support. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, you know, like kind of like uh, we just kind of talked about, the support on everything else, right? So mm-hmm. who's, who's telling them that they need a tax strategist? Who's helping them draft their onboarding materials and telling and teaching them that you know if you have the right onboarding materials, your staff is 25% more likely to, to stay, you know, what does that onboarding material look like? Who's there to tell them all of those things? The color theory, the you know how they design their space and how that impacts how they're viewed. You know, the marketing, like, is you know a lot of these small small businesses like you just can't afford to go to a big marketing firm and say, hey, like you know, I need. Uh, to work through this issue. Like, they have the people and the talent, but you do one session, and that's a lot of people's salaries, mm-hmm. you know, for, for a month. <laughs> and yeah. so, you know, you have some some agencies like Lillian James that really, like, you know, work with people and, and are doing really creative stuff on the small scale. But, like, for the most part, you don't know what you don't know, and you don't know the marketing. You don't know the onboarding. You don't know, like, even the mental side of it, like how to eat better so that you can keep your energy up. Up, you know the mental coping because it takes a lot of stress on you and so now you have a lot of entrepreneurs that deal with depression uh, that deal with you know these stressors that normal people in the city just can't understand because they don't have a situation where they don't eat or their people don't eat if they don't accomplish these goals yeah. right? it's a very different stress it's a lot heavier than a normal oh my project kind of stress no that's Yes, okay, you might lose your job or you might get a demerit, but it's very, very different when you have other people's livelihoods and other people's families on the line if you don't find a way to deliver, 
right? And so that's that's just a very different thing. So I'd say like it's it's all of the the, the surrounding things that go into making a business successful. You know, it's the marketing, it's the HR, it's the you know financial, it's the legal, it's the design, you know, it's the web presence, the digital, it's you know the theories on most effective ways to sell a product online or best ways to arrange your your uh, storefront so that you know you're able to highlight the things you really want people to, to gravitate towards is the cash flow. You know, it's like there's there's all of these things that if we provide a great way for entrepreneurs or small businesses to understand these concepts, especially before they sign the lease and open the doors, you know, then I think we'll be really successful. And the last thing that I, I'd say that's a big problem is that if you do have um, a service base or a storefront, things like that, if you're a first timer you know, navigating the planning and zoning situation can be really frustrating. So like I said, you know, I, I run 2030 CEO and we have so many entrepreneurs who spend so much more money. They blow up their budgets because of the things they don't know. And so it's like, how can we create maybe a video platform or a series that says in this city here's what you need to know because every city is different in this city we made that mistake so we had an architect out of st louis that did work in st louis and chicago unbeknownst to us their rules are completely different than in kansas city mm-hmm. and we didn't find out until we were five thousand in oh, you know yeah. and then we had to pay someone else five thousand to do it all over again mm-hmm. and so like these are the things that really kill you so that as an entrepreneur, you shifted from all of these like great ideas and creative you know, approaches you had to build this business and really create a community around your product or service, which is what you have to do to survive, mm-hmm. to where now you're like just in survival mode. Yeah. And you never, never make the, the decisions that are best for your business when you're under severe stress in survival mode. And so I think that one of the easiest ways to, to kind of combat that because a lot of people sign their lease and then they go to the city and they're like, oh, wow, like I need an architect for what? I need plumbing schematics for what? <laughs> like I'm just doing a I'm just doing a blah, blah, blah business, right? What do you mean I need an architect? And so yeah. now like that's a, that's a couple expenses that they don't have. And maybe like technically, even though it's a coffee shop, they're, you know, they're going to be under food, you know, food provisions. And so now they need bigger gas lines and they need a bigger hot water heater and they need a underground, um, they need to change their underground equipment, their piping or their, you know, grease trap or whatever it may be. These are things they didn't see coming, they didn't budget for. And a lot of times because they can't get access to capital, they they save up the money and they do it or they mortgage their house or, you know, get a loans from friends or family or, you know, borrow against a 401k to do this. And so when that happens, happens, they're now super stressed out before the doors have even opened, you know, and that's not how we want our entrepreneurs to be if we want them to be their most successful selves. So just by solving that one problem of, of, you know, managing the expectations, we can really have ripple effects on the success rate of our, of our small businesses. And I think that's something that, you know, can be applied everywhere. I like, I can't, you know, say that everyone has, you know, the same kind of problems, but I can say that there's got to at least be a couple other cities that have, you know, that face similar problems with a lack of understanding of the planning and zoning, rules and regulations, because they're complex and there's a ton of them. And, and so I think we can really, um, you know, create a model for what that looks like here. 
Uh, one of the things I talked with Nia Richardson about um, at BizCare, Casey BizCare, uh, was about misconceptions about small businesses. And one thing that she mentioned was that she gets a lot of people who think they are too young to start a business. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about maybe your vision or your goal for millennials in Kansas City and entrepreneurship. What does that look like to you? Mm. So originally I had started a group called Under 30 CEO, um, and we kind of grew that from the 10, yeah, 10 people per meeting to 20 times that. It's, it's not too early, but one of the things I, I think is that we kind of have to help them help themselves and that if you're going to have a business, which you, you definitely can do, right? But here are some basic things you can do to better ensure your success. Talk to people in the industry. Talk to people who have had similar ideas but aren't doing it anymore. Maybe they touch, you know, kind of what you're looking at. They're in the general realm or they're address different ways of addressing the same problem or something like that. But find out why other people failed, you know, and they'll tell you, you know, everything you need to know because you learned some of the hardest lessons and some of the most important lessons in failure. That's why some of the investors will take an entrepreneur who's failed once or twice over a brand new entrepreneur because they don't know what they don't know yet. You know, talking to the people who can, it may be as simple as saying, hey, if you offer a discount for early pay, it'll help your cash flow. And that will solve a critical problem for you. And so it's just those critical things like that. Like, how do you differentiate yourself? Is your product uh, a want or a need? And how do you address your marketing accordingly? And how much are you going to need for marketing? So these are all things that someone who's seasoned can quickly point out. And that's where I do think it's, it's really helpful to go to a Casey SourceLink and, and, or SourceLink, you know, a U.S. SourceLink because they're, they're all over now. Or a SBTDC or an ECJC Enterprise Center in Johnson County or, you know, something like that. Because they have the mentors that can tell you, like, hey, you know, I don't want poo-poo on your parade, but this is going – you might get poo-pooed one way or another. So it's better <laughs> you know that, that it's coming and can avoid it. You know, so, ah, there, you know, there, that's a bad spot for me to be in. Let me walk this way, you know. Mm. And so I think, you know, I think that a lot of it, though, comes down to confidence. It comes down to confidence. So are you able to understand where others have failed? And then do you have the confidence in the resources around you and in your solution to believe that you can create a company around the solution? And there's a lot of people in corporate right now who are thinking really creatively and really innovatively. But what ends up happening is that they they propose these great ideas, right? And the company says no. And then what? They're like they could they could do it. And we I actually have a friend who I did some of that a little bit in corporate. I was fortunate to do it in corporate because I had a great uh, boss at the time. I have uh, another friend who uh, he's made millions because he was working for a big corporate. He had some ideas on ways to do things better. They said no. And he said, okay. And so then he just created the solution and they ended up, it ended up being so great that they had to buy the solution from him. Right. And so they're, they're now paying him for that solution every month. Things like that where, like, it's just do they feel like they have a community that they can tap into to help them be successful? And do they feel like – do they have people like the Casey Collective with Donald Hawkins and what he's doing to tell them when their baby's ugly? You know, if you have the trust to know that, hey, I can pitch this idea and people can tell me, no, that baby sucks. 
Like, people aren't going to do that. And it's a diverse range of people. It's uh, all kinds of people from all kinds of backgrounds, some of which are your target audience, you thought, are like, yo, maybe that's not the way to go. It's not that your baby's ugly. It just isn't good enough looking to model. <laughs> you know? And so, like, having those, those you know, honest conversations with people. And part of that, too, like, without being a part of those orgs is is when you bring up the ideas to people, don't be like, hey, would you use this? And then tell them the great idea. Be like, hey, here's what I'm thinking. I'm trying to solve this problem. What are the problems you think I'm going to run into? Right? And so it's how you frame it so that people aren't just, you know, nice because they don't want to hurt your feelings. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think a lot of people get into that, you know, proud parent syndrome because they don't want to hear that their baby's ugly. But that's the only way you get your baby looking better, shaped (laughs) up. Maybe the baby needs to, you know, get some carrots or something, you know, get the, you know, whatever. But that doesn't mean your baby can't be gorgeous and can't model. And maybe it's just, you know, it has to be in the right publication or for the right audience. And, you know, other people can help you find that. Okay. Sounds great. Um, I think, honestly, that's most of the questions that I had. Is there anything that you want to add that we have not touched on or talked about? You know, I really hope that keeping this as diplomatic as possible, I think that mayors and city council people really will have a responsibility this upcoming year, because as a country, we're in the transition year, and, and as well as as a city, to lead on this issue, as well as the, the chambers, right? So I think that, you know, the private the the private sector as well as you know the chambers as well as uh, foundations which the foundations are already doing quite a bit more so than than the cities in some cases and the cities really have to step up and they have to prove to people that it can't just be lip service uh, the time for, I, I will tell you right now uh, as my name is Ezzy Redwood the time for lip service is over we have accountability now and we will make sure that if you say you're going to do something that it gets done Right. Because I think far too long, far too long. You've had people who who have been generally supportive, who have said, yes, we're going to be a great city for blah, blah, blah. The most entrepreneurial city in America. And then when you look on paper to see what have they actually done and contributed to make that vision true, then it's just not there. This is not there. And I'm not, quote unquote, pointing a finger at any city in particular that's the most entrepreneurial city in America. But what I am saying is that, you know, the time for action is now. And if we're really going to become great, we've got to invest in the engine that drives growth, both in neighborhoods and communities that we serve to help reduce crime and create more opportunities, as well as in in the more formal sense. If we had had you know, a focus on that, we could have had more successful companies stay in the area. A lot of people don't know that, you know, one of the founders of of, uh, of Dropbox, this is one of the things I told city council, uh, you know, one of the founders of Dropbox is from the area. Uh, we had Pinterest, to KC from Iowa, like from the area. You know, we had Twitch from the area. But do you know why they don't mess with Kansas, like with the city anymore? It's because like we didn't support them when they needed us. And so they feel like they've grown in spite of us, not because of us as a city. 
And so I think that we've got to shift that paradigm to where these businesses are growing and creating all of these millionaires in Kansas City because they feel like they owe Kansas City because Kansas City, the city as a whole, supported them when they needed it. That's kind of where I'm at in life. And that's kind of going to be the next movement for the small business and the entrepreneur you know, community. I'd say entrepreneur community, whether small business or high growth or tech or whatever. I think we're finally to a point where we've realized that you know we've got to be a part of the process. And, and it's partially on us because we haven't been at the table for so long. Uh, that and we've expected other people to know what we want when they're not us. And so I, I can't put the blame on anyone but us. But now that we're here, we're going to really want to see some results. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I have um, appreciated your time and all the information that you've given to me and all of the listeners to the Northeast Newscast. So thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you. And that was Ezzy Redwood, community builder and entrepreneur. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Northeast Newscast. I'm Elizabeth Orozco. Thank you.